Welcome to episode 248 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. This email was originally written three years ago, but I remember the feeling all too well. I was winning the morning until the toilet overflowed. Now, baby is crying in his crib, toddler is whining in his bed, breakfast is half made, and the bathroom is a mess. Gross. I know. But that's life, right? We strive to be singularly focused on any one goal, but life intervenes and throws competing priorities our way. Fortunately, I was not the only adult in the house when I was faced with my dilemma. Getting help is always a good first step. We split up the tasks and got everyone out the door on time. It's not the only time I've experienced being pulled in several directions at once. Having more than one child in a business will do that to you. Each time it happens, I have to do a quick calculation. Who or what can wait? What can I delegate? Trying to do all of it myself all of the time is a losing proposition. It's likely that some of your competing priorities could be dealt with by someone else, but you're taking care of it because you've always done so. Your challenge this week, it's time to take a step back and look critically at what's been pulling you in three directions. Get super clear on what tasks are really yours and only yours. Could you cross-train someone so they're competent to step in in a pinch? Are you still doing tasks that are important but feel life-draining? Would someone else find joy in them and take it on happily? For example, hire someone to do data entry, bookkeeping, house cleaning. Next time you're faced with competing priorities, see whether you can make someone or something wait or what you can delegate. Then get your focus back on the task that is truly yours to complete and feel accomplished when you cross it off your list. Try this and let me know how it goes. Before we dive into this week's interview, I wanted to let you know that later this summer, I'll be re-releasing my fun interview with Melissa Smith, the PVA and founder of the Association of Virtual Assistants. If you're considering hiring a VA to help you with your to-do list, she's the best person to help you manage the search and onboarding. Learn more at thepva.com and associationofvas.com. I'd be happy to make an email intro. Also, a variation of the story I shared today was first published in my weekly email on July 10th, 2018, and will be featured in my new book coming out later this year. Now, on to this week's interview. I have a special treat for you this week. This is only the second time I've had a guest back on the show. And today's guest is a super connector who brings brilliant minds together. You can read a long list of accolades in the intro for episode number 67, and I'll put the link to that show in today's show notes. For instance, he spoke at TED at IBM event the day before his 20th birthday, was a delegate to President Obama's 2013 Global Entrepreneurship Summit in Malaysia, and has been featured in Forbes, Time, Harvard Business Review, and Fortune. His latest company, 
Meeting of the Minds brings together super connectors and subject matter experts at invite-only events. Members of the MOTM network include CEOs of seven, eight, and nine-figure businesses, creators of globally recognized brands and social movements, New York Times bestselling authors, founders of pre-IPO tech unicorns, and C-suite execs from Fortune 500 companies. He has written multiple books, including the number one entrepreneurship book of 2015. I've invited him back because he just released his latest book, How to Build a World-Class Network in Record Time. Please join me in welcoming Jared Clarent. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Oh my gosh, it's very rare. But it, this was a good reason to do so. And I love talking to you. So Jared, thanks for joining us from your home office in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's kick things off as we always do. And then what we'll, we'll do is we'll sort of stream past some of the earlier parts of your career, which at 25 is already a decade deep. So tell me, how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? I was really fortunate to work for some amazing leaders in my teens. Uh, and I was one of the first 10 employees of a company called 155, uh, which is in the employee engagement, culture management space, an enterprise SaaS product for those techies out there. Um, that company is now over 40 million in VC funding, 200 plus employees. Uh, they're a sunicorn, you know, so they'll eventually be a billion dollar company or sell to a billion dollar company. Uh, and I was really lucky to work under the, the co-founders there, including the CEO. The CEO is called the most connected man you don't know in Silicon Valley, according to Forbes. And so I wanted to sort of model that by getting called the most connected millennial, according to USA Today. Um, I also got a chance to work for a few months with Keith Ferrazzi, you know, author of Never Eat Alone. And I really benefited from seeing those people lead their organizations and, and also lead from stage as speakers, uh, be true thought leaders, people that actually have interesting and unique thoughts and then share it with other people and lead them to think in a certain way. Uh, and so I've been trying to replicate my own version of that. Um, I also am I'm pretty privileged to come from an entrepreneurial family. Uh, and so I saw various businesses all around me growing up. Uh, I'm pretty sure we talked about that in the past episode. And yeah, I also wanted to carve my own path, my own leadership style, if you will, my own way of working, uh, you know, because I saw what family business could look like in positive and negative ways. I saw some of the positives and negatives of the startup world of uh, being a thought leader and having your entire business modeled around that for someone like Keith. Uh, so I've just been trying to do my own thing. And uh, <laughs> I've had lots of exper experiences and experiments um, I think I'm now trying to, or trying to, uh, you know, build upon what's been working, and so yeah. that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, you've had so many opportunities, exposed to so many great uh, people who are doing good work in the world and and having a strong impact. You're able to sort of witness the ups and downs of that. And I'm curious if you were to like succinctly say, if you know, from all the that and all those experiences. And you're trying to now think about your own leadership style. You know, you're now running your own companies. Um, what what would you say are sort of the attributes you're aiming to be known for as a leader? Well, you always hear like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and your your network ends up influencing the quality of your life and your business. I'm now seeing that come into fruition. You know, I'm choosing co-founders that I've had multi-year relationships with who have been clients of mine. 
Uh, I'm in the middle of buying a company from a former client as well. And so these are multi-year relationships. Uh, I'm now looking at friends that I've had relationships with for seven, eight, nine years. Uh, I got married recently and I met my wife through the Forbes 30 Under 30 community. And so it's one thing to talk about the importance of your relationships in life. And now I'm actually seeing it come to you know real life. And so in the companies I'm running, uh, the communities I'm creating, I want others to be able to plug in uh, as a contractor, employee, as a member of something like Meeting in the Minds and experience that for themselves. Uh, and I'm trying to look backwards, figure out what has worked for me in the last 10 years. It all has not worked. <laughs> and, and there's certainly been mistakes as well. You know, Before I worked with 15.5 and, and learned under you know, the most connected man you don't know in Silicon Valley, according to Forbes, uh, I worked with a guy who had spent time in prison for security fraud on Wall Street. And so I had a, that negative experience. I was mindful enough to do a 180 and go after a more positive mentor and experience. Uh, and I also believe it only takes one of those super connectors to really change your life. And so you know, I talk about the snowball strategy, my new book, where if you're starting from zero, you know, go work to build a relationship uh, that is deep and meaningful with one super connector. And then you can turn that into uh, a, sort of an avalanche rolling down a hill of all different opportunities, connections, uh, and you know, people giving you great advice, uh, which doesn't have to take a long time. You know, I'm, I'm 25, as you mentioned, to have the type of career that I have isn't possible like two generations ago, um, but it's more possible than ever. And if you're 40, you, know, you could do this by 43. If you're uh, breaking into a new industry, you can replicate this in pretty short order as well. Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the things I think about when I, I think about who you are, obviously the idea of you being very well connected, but also very abundant. Um, you know, you're a person who loves to share knowledge, make introductions, help people, you know, you know, whether it's going to benefit you or it's just to sort of support and uplift others like this, this is sort of a, a generous spirit in who you are in the world. And I imagine you now are attracting over the last decade, the same type prototype of entrepreneur, <laughs> you know, like I, I've always struggled with the word entrepreneur because it's just a broad word and you like, it's, it could mean a zillion things depending on who you're talking to but I, I lately been thinking about the word like generous entrepreneurs because that sort of, you know, it, it's, it's still very broad, but it like gives you a sense of the values that people have because you're one of those people that, you know, doesn't, doesn't hold on to your IP tightly and say, you know, this is mine, mine, mine. You're like, here's how I did this. Let me explain the, the actual every single step that I took and good luck. <laughs> you try yeah, to I, it. I don't even think you need to be a business owner to benefit from this. You know, that's part of my definition for a super connector, uh, which is someone that is well connected, also well regarded in their industry, and understands the value of building their network, providing value upfront to other people, building those long term relationships. And so you could be a super connector as an entrepreneur, as a podcaster, as a corporate rock star entrepreneur. Um, or as a community leader, if, if you're doing it for your faith, et cetera. Uh, and so I, I think that's what separates super connectors from people that uh, don't have a great network or aren't uh, known to connect others. And so you want to be known as a super connector because you attract people that want to meet you, want to meet the people you know, uh, will look to provide you value. You're going to do the same back with them. Uh, or you're going to plug them into your your email list or as a 
follower of one of your shows that they can get value even if you're not able to sort of speak with them one-on-one. And that definitely opens up, you know, endless opportunities for you. Yeah, I've seen this uh, myself, you know, in the last 10 years, I've been on a similar trajectory to you, um, you know, leaving the nonprofit world where I was had a career for 15 years, morphing into, you know, entrepreneurship as a, as a full-time focus, and then, you know, figuring out how to build that business back up from a side hustle, and then having the pandemic happen, and then having to reinvent myself. And then I actually, you know, grew a brand new business from scratch to six figures in eight months last year. And yeah, what, what have been your biggest takeaways from this past year in terms of relationship building remotely? You know, what have you found to be the two or three best practices, sort of secret gems? Because you've it. definitely done a great job of fostering community remotely, building your own relationships remotely. Uh, I don't know if you've shared that in other you know, mediums, but I, I would be curious to know like real quickly what your two or three biggest uh, ahas have been. I love when a guest has a good question for me. <laughs> so, it, you know, I guess what I would say is that while I say that I did this in, in eight months, it's eight months plus the 10 years before that, right? It's like, it wasn't that I was starting from scratch. It's that I actually recognized I had a decade of connections to, to build on. And it was about leveraging that network. And, and really more than anything, I always talk to my clients, my coaching clients about the need to wake up and, and let your network know what it is you're doing. And particularly if it's not what you've been doing, right? So if they, if they have you in their head as one thing, they're not gonna be able to refer the right people to you. So I think I just did a really good job of quickly offering value. In fact, that was my big question, Jared, when the, I'm sort of curious how, what your moment was, because we're, we're now recording this at sort of the year mark. I don't want to even say anniversary because that sounds celebratory. The year milestone of, of having had the world sort of be completely, you know, like picked up and shook a little bit and then put back down and see what happens. And I know for me, it was always about like, how do I show up and offer value? And that's what really led me, I think, into, you know, everything that's happened in the last year plus. And, you know, I think similarly, you already had attracted amazing people to you. You probably had some plans that got, I imagine you had some in-person events planned. You're, you're a person who loves hosting. And I think you and I share that. So I imagine you had some, you know, in-person events that were disrupted, but you didn't say, well, we just won't get to this until we can all meet in person. You, you made your own shifts. I've been to some of your online. You're very thoughtful in how you execute. So yeah, I mean, back to you. What, what, what was the moment that you realized I've got to come up with plan B and C to keep things moving? Yeah. From a strategic standpoint, I do remember having a distinct conversation with an executive coach of mine. And we were talking about the three, six and 18 month contingency plans. <laughs> and this was back in you know March, April of 2020. And now we're on the 18 to 24 month plan. So you know, we were kind of chuckling about the 18 month idea, but that's happened. And so I think I've learned as a as an entrepreneur and operator, regardless, you know, without talking about networking for a second, that it does pay to have contingency plans to be mindful of your 
sort of backups, uh, having lines of credit if you need to access them, having multiple revenue streams or income streams. Uh, those things all became super important last year. Um, you know, getting access to cheap capital, like if you were able to get an SBA loan, uh, that could come in handy, especially if the terms are amazing. Uh, and almost like giving yourself the room to breathe so that you can be more mindful about how you work with others instead of, you know, getting in two, three months into the pandemic. And now you're having to be overly salesy uh, to your network and generate, you know, quick cash to survive. Like that's not the position you want to find yourself in. And so, you know, that came up uh, in the last year. I learned a lot there. Uh, when it comes to networking and relationship building, definitely leveraging your network uh, is the biggest thing that came up for me. You know, I was certainly building new relationships. Uh, I was deepening a lot of pre-existing relationships. So there's an element of you know, who is in your fringe network that you don't know that well, but can you start deepening those ties? Uh, because that's possible virtually. You know, It's really hard to go from not knowing someone to working with them as a five-figure client or to get them as an investor if you've never met them in person or to, you know, get them to hire you for your dream job. Although it's definitely possible. Um, it's much easier if you've had one or two uh, interactions with them in person and then you're diving deeper like you and I have. Uh, it's even better if you've known them for a very long time and you don't need that in-person in interaction to make important decisions like starting a company together or buying someone's company. Um, and so I've definitely benefited from that in the last year of being able to tap into my pre-existing network uh, and, you know, honestly, this past year has probably been one of the, the best years. Uh, and I mean, I think that'll be proven out in five or 10 years from now when we see the results of everything that's been put in, into place. But what I thought would be the worst year for meeting in the minds when we were so reliant on our in-person summits once every three months now became a whole new aspect of our business where we have monthly deep dives to you know, these two-day virtual events. Um, I really doubled down on some of our marketing efforts from building an email newsletter to interviewing people myself. Um, we've built out a partner program, writing this next book, uh, and then some other opportunities that have come up. You know, Maybe I'm now <laughs> you know, distracting myself and overwhelmed, but I'd rather be that coming out of what was the biggest threat imaginable to an in-person business than to be out of business. And so I do feel very fortunate. Um, but like you said, it wasn't necessarily anything I did in the last year. It was all the, th you know, all the work I did the 10 years beforehand to build a great network so that when I needed people to have my back, they were there. This actually reminds me of my interview with Jordan Harbinger when he was talking about, he had just shifted to the Jordan Harbinger show and he was sort of saying how, you know, there was this moment where he literally like had to start from scratch to rebuild a business, but because he had, you know, spent years investing in and supporting and nurturing his network, never needing anything from them. Like he was the top of his game and then he needed something and without asking, people just sort of flooded to him to make, to make him whole again. And he ended up very quickly kind of in a better position than he had been when he left his previous um, podcasting role. So it just sort of like that from that conversation, I remember thinking about this as a, as a sort of insurance plan. Like you don't pay for insurance hoping to ever use it. And then when you need it, it's there. And same thing, like if, you, if you're regularly contributing and investing in and supporting your network, then when you need to leverage it, people are, are there for you. And that's, that was the experience I had. There were people who, who like absolutely came 
to hear like what is where do how are you responding Robbie oh good we can we can do that then like they were like thank god somebody knows a way forward and for me I will tell you that like March 12th I wrote nine ways to network in a pandemic as a little like here's something of value and then March 13th I hosted my first virtual happy hour and I hosted one every single Friday including uh Christmas for an entire year, we're now we're on the year mark, and I'm still going strong every Friday, five o'clock Eastern. No more badzoom.com for those of you listening. And it's been like tremendous. 1,300 people have signed up. We have regularly, you know, 60, 70, 80 people who come each week. And it's really like called to me some amazing people, like in the, you said that fringe parts of your network that you don't really get a chance to talk to now have become a regular part of my life through this event, which has led to amazing referrals and opportunities, et cetera. So I think consistency has really been a key lesson. You offering a more regular way to connect with the Meeting of the Minds community, as opposed to waiting three months and having more, a, like instead of having a select group of people who only could make those, then now it's like you're building a more massive. Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. I mean, I probably wouldn't have done it uh, if there wasn't a pandemic or it would have taken years before I introduced like a monthly, you know, lower priced, but still intimate offer. And so now for our annual members, they're getting uh, up to 12 more points of value. There's 12 more, you know, enrollment opportunities. Uh, I also just love doing these. And so it's 12 more weekends that are really fun. Uh, and that, you know, don't get me wrong. I I'm, can't wait to host sort of in-person, no restricted summits again, and then see the interplay between the monthly virtual experiences, the quarterly summits, annual membership, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we're sharing a lot of lessons learned. I'll just add one more. Uh, I don't think about this necessarily day to day, but what's come up for me in the last year is the importance of your network as informational, uh, downloads for you or as news sources for you. You know, part of your network is not just the opportunities or the referrals. Uh, it's also people's email newsletters, their podcasts, the advice they can give you in a time of need. You know, I have gotten so many opportunities from following very select people's newsletters and paying for them too, uh, or you know, just being mindful of who I'm asking for feedback from. Uh, and that's been helpful in creating a new company. Uh, I had the opportunity to buy a company because I was like reading an email newsletter and then came across a hyperlink to a you know, email newsletter marketplace, you could buy and sell email newsletters. And then I saw like someone's company was for sale that I knew. Uh, and so that ties into information and opportunity um, through content mixed with a pre-existing relationship. But also, um, yeah, and this isn't a, a cryptocurrency, you know, conversation, but like I invested in cryptocurrency earlier than a lot of people uh, because of the news sources I was relying on. And, you know, the the perspectives I was getting. And that's been uh, a huge opportunity for me and, and many others. Uh, and so it, it really all comes back to your network. It's the quality of people that you hang out with. It'll impact your, your mood. It'll impact what you, what you learn. Uh, and then it'll open up all the opportunities you'll ever need uh, to accomplish whatever you want. <laughs> well, I have to just say, I'm not surprised you are into cryptocurrency. That That is like, not surprising. Okay, I'm a, I'm a Bitcoin maximalist, so I'll, I will I will narrow the uh, okay. the attention there. I, I don't really pay but too much still, attention to other noise. Um, but that's that still makes sense. You're you're yeah. you're a cutting edge kind of person. 
I also think though that last year offered opportunities for everybody to try things that they wouldn't have. And, you know, maybe you're a person who is a little more at the front end of the new idea and trying new things, a little more, a little more willing to be the the risk taker. But you, you know, even you said like you would there were certain things you did last year that you probably either wouldn't have done or would have taken a long time to get around to. So I feel like that was another thing for me too. Is like a last year was just a chance to like try different ideas on, like not be married to any of them. And even now, as I'm like been focused on building a business around virtual event design consulting and being an executive Zoom producer, I also, I'm like, this isn't my forever. Like this is, you know, it's this is how I'm responding because this is what people need right now. And so I'm already like building out like the, like what's five years going to look like and thinking like, what are the skills and connections I'm going to need for that to be true? And so it's just, you know, I think I'm just a little more open to uh, what what isn't a straight path. <laughs> I mean, it's never really been a straight path probably, but I'm a little more aware of that and having fun with it. And uh, because life just got totally disrupted, right? We can't we can't guarantee, like you said, you had, you had a three, six and 18 months and 18 month was sort of a contingency plan was kind of like, ha, ha, ha. I mean, my wife and I think similarly had that conversation around our kids and going to school and the school said, so we're going to take a two week break and then everyone will come back. And we looked at each other and we were like, uh, no, no way. No way are they going back. They're not going back for the rest of the school year. And then like in like May, I was like, so they're not going to go to school next year. Like, I just was like, they're just not like, we're just going to accept that and build our life accordingly. And I feel like what part of what I'm hearing from us is a willingness to accept the reality and then to go build our own future from that. I think the resistance I have sensed from some of our colleagues has slowed them down from being able to be taking the best next step. Have you sensed that? Like some people who have been like, I'm just going to wait until things go back. I'm, I'm waiting until we can all pe- you know, hug again. And then I'll do my thing. I'm, gonna, I'm oh, I don't want to do this whole online thing. I don't, you know, have you sensed any of that resistance? A little bit. I, I also have just <laughs> been so focused on what I'm putting out into the world that I haven't like tried to see what other people are doing too much. Um, I think a good way to approach it is with the with preeminence of your clients in mind or of the people in your life. And so when we were at the beginning of the pandemic, we did have a an April meeting of the minds on the books. Uh, it was actually going to be the first experimental event in a new uh, sort of uh, service offering or, or product we were going to do. So we were going to two of these MOTM X experiences in 2020, and then hopefully formalize that this year. Uh, and then we had a summit that was planned in May. Uh, and you know, the ultimate reasons in March to sort of call those off was that we cared about our clients. So we didn't want to get anyone sick. Like I had to call off a wedding as well. We didn't want family to get sick. And so to push forward uh, in a way that would potentially harm your loved ones, your clients, that's silly. Uh, And so you want to be thinking ahead of time, having preeminence about what do your clients need. Uh, And this this goes into a sales conversation too, like what are their objections going to be if you're trying to sell them on something and you know it's really valuable to them and how can you overcome those objections if you're trying to build relationships with other super connectors and you know they're crazy busy, how can you make it uh, really easy to interact with you and and save them time? so I try and be mindful of what other people in my network need or, or want uh, and uh, 
work around that. And so that, that hopefully gets us out of a pandemic conversation and just like everyday life. Um, but that's also really good to know from a marketing and sales perspective that I've found useful. Um, also just the client services, like how can you continuously add value to your clients, even if they're not asking for more value, that's definitely a, a preeminent way to run your business. Uh, you know, and if you take care of your relationships, you know, when the next pandemic comes around or the next crisis comes around, they'll take care of you. Yeah. In theory. Um, I mean, if they don't, well, <laughs> there's nothing else you could have done. <laughs> and so <laughs> I don't know how you want to play that game any other way. When did you start to conceptualize meeting of the minds and what was it you were hoping to create? Like what was the need you were trying to solve for? Yeah. So before meeting in the minds, I had two different businesses uh, that were running, I guess in parallel, I had a marketing consulting business uh, with Keith Frazzi being my first client uh, that sort of happened by chance. You know, I cold emailed him. I did a, a month of work for him for free after leaving 15.5. I was still only 18 years old. Uh, I was then trying to negotiate a salary to go work with him full time uh, because I decided not to go to college right away. And we negotiated a rate that worked for me, worked for him to start. But it also was structured in a way where I was a 1099 contractor. And so, you know, businesses do that all the time, myself included, so that we save on taxes and don't have the same liabilities, don't have to pay benefits, whatever. But I realized for whatever reason, um, likely through advice of my very smart friends at the time, that that made Keith my client and that I was a consultant to him and his business. And so I ran with that. You know, I did a few months of work for him. And then I realized like, wow, number one New York Times bestselling author is and a former CMO of a Fortune 500 company is my first client. And so what else can I do? Uh, and so that led me to work with TED speakers and VC-backed startups and record-setting crowdfunding campaigns, blah, blah, blah. You know, I certainly learned on my clients' dimes, but was trying as hard as I could to provide value and, and work my butt off. Um, while that business was churning along, um, you know, I, I was mindful about running that business uh, and was thinking about the ideal business at the time for me. And it wasn't to run a consulting business long-term. It was to pay my bills in 20 or 30% of my working time so I could spend 70 or 80% of my time on this second parallel track, which was writing 2 billion under 20, which was my first book, you know, building an online community around that, doing 3 billion under 30, second book, you know, both of those studied top performing millennials uh, from all different backgrounds. So I got an opportunity to build my network there and reach out to uh, startup founders and actors and nonprofit uh, creators, scientists, athletes, etc. Um, that led to speaking opportunities and, you know, occasional consulting with, with larger companies on, you know, recruiting, engaging and retaining top millennial talent or marketing to millennials, uh, stuff like that. And at some point I saw that the book stuff speaking was kind of where I really wanted to spend my time, but it wasn't yet a viable business model long-term consulting could have been a viable business model, but it's really hard to scale a consulting business. And it wasn't my true passion. Uh, there's other marketing consultants out there. Uh, and so meeting in the minds became the way to fuse those and to take all the people that I had met along the way, put them under one uh, circus tent, as I was telling Michael Roderick the other day um, on another podcast interview and 
create something that was more scalable, um, also more valuable to our clients because now they were learning from or working with me and my team, but then they were also getting a chance to meet each other and to provide value within that mastermind. And so we, we did that. Again, it was experimental. Um, ran our first few events in January 2018, one in Atlanta, one in uh, New York, and we were profitable thereafter. You know, had annual members out of each of those experiences, and those annual memberships were, you know, five-figure investments on our clients' part. And we were just off the races, and at some point, sort of wound down and, and shut down the consulting business. Uh, the second book that I wrote, I self-published, so I can still you know, sell those and make money every time someone buys 3 billion under 30. Um, and then, you know, the new book I decided to write uh, more as a way to share what I've learned on networking and relationship building. I had a lot of sort of course material and speeches uh, and newsletter articles that I wanted to repurpose and share in, in a succinct way. And yeah, meeting the minds has become something I'll run for the rest of my life, probably, or you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, it's also a great launching pad for other ventures. And so, you know, as I've been sort of secretly alluding to um, or, or cryptically mentioning, I do have another startup that I've been working on. Um, it'll probably be a public knowledge by the time this comes out. But you know, that I started with an annual member of ours that joined us in 2018 and 2019. And then another person that you know joined us in 2019, who's, um, he owns a hotel in upstate New York. And we actually did a meeting in the minds at his hotel. And so now I'm taking this perfect lifestyle business and meeting in the minds, super fun. Like I, I pay to go to these sort of things when I'm not running meeting in the minds. And so then to have my own vehicle is awesome. Um, you know, it's now creating opportunities for me to do spin-off businesses, uh, to meet potential investors for that new business, to acquire the business of someone that spoke at our very first event. And, uh, you know, other people are experiencing that too, through partnerships, through being able to buy and sell their companies, you know, launch new service offerings. So it's just, it's a dream. I love it. I, I think that what you created is a new business that is actually flexible enough to grow with you. Because you, I, you have sort of no limit to <laughs> what you are hoping will be. You, you don't know what the end will look like because it'll keep the goal post keeps moving as you learn new opportunities are available to you. Yeah, and someone go grab flexiblebusinesscreation.com. And I mean, that, <laughs> that could honestly be a whole line of consulting if, if you have the right subject matter expert running it. But I do wholeheartedly believe in business design around your ideal lifestyle for, for most people. I mean, we definitely need the startup founders that are going to slave away for 10 or 20 years and go raise hundreds of millions of dollars from VCs and sort of create, you know, life-changing products. But for the rest of us, we can run lifestyle businesses that take care of our families, you know, help other people, you know, add value to the world. Uh, and if we're able to have a three to $500,000 take-home pay, you know, and still run a seven-figure business after five or 10 years of building it, like that is... That is life changing. That is that is generational wealth that you're building. Yeah, yeah. Then I'm not there that. yet. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you've got your fingers in, in Bitcoin, so so you're, yeah. you're also have an eye to the future. Just got a huddle as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So you know, as we're morphing towards the end of this conversation, I'd love to know like specifics, and it could be specifics from your book. Again, the title is "How to Build a World Class Network in Record Time," um, which you are you know, uniquely positioned to write that book. Um, so 
how do you nurture and sustain your sort of larger network, not just the people you you know are tight with, but that sort of second and third layer out? Any practices, philosophies, or habits that help you nurture and sustain so that you know they remember who you are and and want to pick up the phone when you call? Certainly. Uh, so the book is broken down into a few parts. So it's connecting with yourself, then it's connecting with others, then it's connecting with others at scale, which is kind of what you're asking about. And then there's some super connector secrets so that if you're someone like Robbie and you already know 70% of or 80% of what's in the book, but you just want some advanced stuff, you can go towards the back of the book and get some templates and some, some other juicy stuff to apply to your current practice of networking and relationship building. Uh, but when it comes to you know connecting with others at scale, I think part of it is how you interact with people whenever you do talk to them. So it's really building relationships that stand the test of time and being mindful about every single interaction that you have so that you do dive deep with people. You know, each conversation or in-person interaction could last that relationship six months, a year until you talk again or until you send that email. So there's there's an art of how you actually interact with people when you are with them. Uh, there are one-to-many networking strategies we talk about in the book, like having a podcast, having an email newsletter, doing things like you know no more bad Zoom happy hours, and having these things where you can invite multiple people to interact with you, to interact with each other. Uh, even just how you inter- engage with social media, you can broadcast to your fringe network and do one-to-many networking. Um, I'm biased, but I also talk a lot about mastermind groups and sort of being the go-to place where super connectors can meet other super connectors uh, and how to assess what's a good mastermind group versus a bad. It basically boils down to your your trust of the curator of the group. Uh, and if you believe that they are... Uh, a super connector, if they're a high integrity individual, first and foremost, if they're mindful about who they're curating and, and how they're doing that. Uh, and if you want to subscribe to that, you know, there's definitely industry, industry specific mastermind groups that are fantastic. Uh, I've personally made meeting of the minds to be very diverse in terms of in, individuals attending It's 50% men, 50% women on average. Uh, we've had every flavor of person and sexual orientation and color join us. Uh, they are all entrepreneurs and business owners, but the industries have ranged from chocolate shop owners to, you know, people like yourself that are more thought leaders, have courses, do a lot of speaking, podcasting, thought leadership to, you know, a couple of tech founders, um, and, you know, executive coaches and, um, yeah, who know, romance uh, experts and and everything in between, uh, and so I personally value that diversity. You know, if people are seeking to be around other business owners who think differently than themselves, have different industry knowledge, um, I personally find that to be valuable, and so I've created that model. But again, you know, there's if you're going to join a mastermind group, it's really assessing like, do you trust who's organizing it? Do you trust their thesis of how they want to organize the group. Uh, what's the, you know, good groups have paywalls typically, you know, both to sustain the business model of running the group, um, but also as a way to screen people. Um, a lot of groups have an application process or a referral process. So how serious is that process taken and, and what does that process look like? That's something I would assess. And it, you know, it, it also gets down to, not only mastermind groups, but just where are you going to network? And so 
you know, pre-COVID, um, there's a lot of experiences here in Atlanta. Like you can go on Eventbrite and look at networking events. And I could be going to a lot of these <laughs> random events, but I don't, even if they're five minutes of walking distance away from where I live. But I will literally fly cross country for a house party of a mentor of mine because I know that every single time I go to something like that, I can look left, look right, and I'm going to meet someone incredible and I can just be myself. And so uh, it's being mindful about sort of the situations you're putting yourself in so that you can then, you know, be yourself, talk to anyone that comes up to you and says hi and act, uh, act normal. And so a lot of intentionality in that, uh, sort of connecting with others at scale category. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I love that you took a few minutes to talk about masterminds. I, um, ran one for, for a couple of years, got away from it, focused on one-to-one coaching, um, was working with Miracy last year. Um, Dan Innes company out of, out of, uh, Montreal, um, and then left that role to, to refocus on my business when it took off. I didn't know it was going to happen. And then suddenly I had three full-time roles um, <laughs> to handle. It was busy 2020. And now I'm back to, you know, private, high-end one-on-one clients. But I've just started doing um, as a sort of pilot, and you were talking also about experimentation. I am piloting a drop-in monthly mastermind. And that will lead into a three-month closed mastermind. And then next year, a 10-month closed mastermind. Because I absolutely concur that it is so valuable. I I have paid and I'm currently paying to be in a mastermind right now. I'm in Dory Clark's mastermind. And you, you know, the kind of people that come to it really can can be life-changing. And the conversations you can have and the vulnerability you can have, the encouragement you get. And I think particularly because I'm, you know, kind of by myself making decisions with my business, it's really nice to have a you know, start to create a little kitchen cabinet of people that you know you can go to because they they understand or they've been there or they're trying to get there too. So yeah, anyone listening who wants to know more about the masterminds that I'm working on or want to know about the masterminds Jared's working on, we'll put more information in the show notes and I'll let Jared talk more about his opportunities to have you connect with him at the end of the show. But I want to underscore that because I think a lot of people could be taking more advantage of that. And now that everything's virtual, it's you know, you don't have to get on a plane and fly. I did the same thing. You just made me think of this. Dory Clark told me, because you mentioned him earlier, Dory Clark said, hey, I'm hosting a dinner with Michael Roderick and I think you should meet him. And this is like, I don't know, eight years ago or something. And so I was in Boston and they were in New York City. And so I I probably back then took a bus. I don't think I was at the time paying trains. I took a bus, like a Chinatown bus probably, uh, down and went to dinner and stayed on Dory's couch and then went home. And that's how I met Michael. And he's been a great part of my life since. We now regularly interact. Um, I host a private get-together for members of his community online and members of Dory's community online at the same meeting. So that's like my version of what you're talking about. So I just like, it's a free thing that I do and it's a way to serve and be offering something and also love it. Yeah. That's the, that's the snowball strategy in effect, right? Taking your relationship with Dory and snowballing that into Michael. And then Michael introduced you to me at some point, I imagine. And then you've probably met dozens, if not hundreds of people through Michael and Dory. So that's literally this snowball uh, strategy in, in effect. And then obviously you're one to many networking uh, by creating these experiences for other people to join on. Um, you're, you're, you're doing it. Yeah, no, you it's don't fun. need my book. 
or skip to page 201. (laughs) I I can't wait to get your book and skip to page 201 because, you know, as much as I know what I'm doing, I also know that I'm just been iterating and experimenting. And it's really helpful when someone else names the process and spells it out, even if it's something you have some familiarity with or you've tried a little bit of it, to have someone like, this is why we like to work with coaches, right? The coach who says, actually, no, 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 don't, that, that's try like, that's going to end in this way. Let's just talk that through. How about you go in this direction instead? It's like really, really helpful to have someone who's been there kind of help you think this through and be more strategic with, with your time. I mean, you, you know, my twenties, you know, you're 25 at 25. I was going to like, I don't know, probably about 10 events a week. Like no joke. I was just nonstop going to things, but that wasn't strategic. <laughs> you know, that, well, I, that I also did that. I mean, I, I did it at 17, 18, yeah, six, but at some know, 16, point you're 17, like, 18. I gotta, I gotta stop and reassess and like be a little more thoughtful with where I go. And I, you know, and I think now I'm at a point where I'm like, I don't want to get on a plane unless I absolutely have to. Like now there's so much online I can do that, you know, when I, when I go in person, it's going to be so amazing because it's going to be a very thoughtful choice and the perfect place to go in person. And I can't wait to hug a stranger who's the perfect stranger to hug. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you there. Yeah. So, um, do you, do you personally, I mean, you just shared a bunch of tips that are going to be in the book that we'll now all be clamoring to get a copy of. Um, and this episode comes out in early June. So, you know, we'll, we'll tell It'll be go, out. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the show notes, click on the Amazon link. Um, don't forget to leave a, a rating and review if you liked it, cause that matters to people. So, or you can skip Amazon screw Jeff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'll, it'll also be available at motm.co slash books. We'll put that on. And so it, it's a self-published book. Um, my second self-published book, third book overall. Really? Uh, I have a whole expose on traditional versus self-publishing on my newsletter, but I am definitely a huge believer in self-publishing. So skip skip the Amazon stuff. We Love got it. you covered. <laughs> we will put that link in the show notes instead. Or you can go to Amazon, do whatever you want. <laughs> I can't, now, I can't tell I you what I want to know do. is... Um, what like break me down like a typical week are you doing something in a typical week that is helping you stay top of mind i know you got a newsletter because i'm paying for it am i reading it i gotta tell you i still i have them stacked up as like a to be read and i'm like kicking myself all the time because i'm like clearly this is valuable so like what you know i'm really kind of curious actually now that i brought that up what is your what has the feedback been it's it's a good idea but are people actually like taking time? Cause I'm like, I'm flooded with information. And I keep thinking, this is something I paid for. I absolutely should prioritize putting it at the top of the to read list. Uh, I mean, I'm quintupling down on email marketing and email newsletters. That's probably the biggest asset of this company I'm acquiring. Again, sorry, I'm, I'm cryptic. You know, you could go look up my LinkedIn by the time this comes out in June and figure out what the hell I'm talking about. Or what the heck I'm talking about? Sorry, <laughs> G-rated. Um, but yeah, I I do believe in email newsletters, but it, it comes it comes back to the preeminence idea of who is your ideal client, where do they go converse, and so we generally find that with meeting in the minds clients uh, in our ideal client profile, email works really well. Uh, LinkedIn is is good too, and then it is a word of mouth referral situation through trusted partners. And so that's why, you know, I will 
make sure that anytime I can get Michael Roderick to talk about Meeting in the Minds, that he will, or if I can get people like Dory to mention Meeting in the Minds or refer people to us, that is how we end up meeting people uh, for that business. And so as far as networking in general, uh, I actually rely a lot on the quality of conversation idea that we were having earlier. You know, I am not a huge clubhouser or TikToker or, you know, putting a video on Instagram where I'm just like listening to something and then I'm pointing to words as they come up on the screen. Uh, you know, I am pretty basic when it comes to social media uh, and just rely on the one-on-one interactions, you know, always opting for an in-person meeting if possible. If not, then Zoom, then call, then email or text. Uh, and you know, just making sure that I'm skipping the politics talk or the weather talk and, and just going straight for what do people care about? What are they working on that they're, you know, maybe not sharing publicly, um, but are super passionate about uh, what is going well, what uh, is not going well, how can I help? And people don't forget uh, those interactions because they're increasingly rare, uh, especially in a time and place where we're social distancing. Uh, and then when we go back to normal in the next year, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to create those very special interactions. Uh, and so what do you do after you give that big hug to someone is going to matter for the relationships you're trying to cultivate so that in 2030, when there's another crisis or you're in a crucial time of your business or your life, you can rely on all the relationships you're building from 2021 until 2030. So tactically, do you have uh, hours to decide to do certain things on your calendar? I write the email newsletter two or three times a week. So that is a, a one-to-many networking strategy. Um, I've designed my business to you know, build relationships with the people that I want to build relationships with. And so that's a great hack for me. Other than that, I'm constantly communicating with people, but less on a cultivating relationship aspect and more on a what am I doing right now? So I'm fundraising. I need to go, you know, talk to people in my network already, but also people that my network is referring so that I can go raise money for that business. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I, I get a lot of referrals and so I'll have introductory conversations. So I think the biggest hack for me is just aligning my business with my networking efforts so that all my like introductory or discovery calls for meeting of the minds are networking acts. Um, even if those people don't sign up to try a, a deep dive right away or, or buy a book, they might go on the newsletter or we've just had a great conversation. And then a year from now, they're going to work with me or they're going to invest in something I'm doing or, you know, introduce me to someone that I should really know. And so like that's the biggest similar. hack for me is just aligning my, my business and the type of people that I'm trying to meet. I think that's a very similar strategy to what I'm doing. And I hadn't fully named it that way, but you know, yesterday I, I hopped on a call twice with people to help them solve a Zoom question. Um, neither needed to hire me that moment. Um, but now they think I'm amazing because of how quickly I responded to their, their help email. <laughs> like it couldn't wait till my Friday, like free event to answer their question. And I was like, that's cool. I'll just answer it now. And so, yeah, I feel like every time I do that, I'm sort of investing in, in, in my network and it pays off. So as we wrap up, um, you know, a year from now, what is it you're going to be celebrating? What are you most looking forward to? What, what will we be toasting if we we're together, hopefully in person? Yeah, a year from now, uh, we will have resumed in-person summits for Meeting in the Minds. We would have doubled or tripled our annual membership and 
you know, the dreams I've had for that business, which have been put on pause or morphed over the last year will be coming to fruition. I will have, uh, you know, acquired this business and we would have uh, started building that up again. Uh, we would have funded this third <laughs> startup thing. Uh, so that also means I'll be hiring someone to help me you know, run Meeting in the Mines. Uh, I, I will still run it, uh, but I'll definitely have some help there. So I'm really excited to think not only about the client relationships that I have and the friendships I have, but how I want to intentionally build my team and support system around me. So that's going to be a really cool exercise. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'm, I'm married now. We got courthouse married, but we're doing the celebration in July. Uh, and so that'll be our, our second attempt at that. And so I will be married and have celebrated the marriage. Um, if it's a year from now and we, you know, my wife might be pregnant, so I'll, I'll have to come back to you about the whole, you know, fatherhood conversation and, and what it's like to have young kids and be an entrepreneur as well. Uh, there's, there's definitely a lot to look forward to. Yeah. Can't wait to celebrate all of that with you. Jared, how can people find you and follow your work? Email me anytime, jaredkleinert at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. And you'd, you'd be shocked at how few people actually reach out. Uh, so please, doors open, uh, say hello. Uh, MOTM.co is where you can get all stuff meeting in the minds related. MOTM.co slash books is where you can get the books. And that is it for now. Brilliant. We'll have all those links plus your LinkedIn and your Twitter on the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Jared, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, Robbie. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jared. Such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 248. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode with Jared, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. And don't forget to subscribe for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your view on Apple Podcasts easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.